This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, September 12th, 2019, and my guest is Matt Swider. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hi, Miriam. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are things at TechRadar these days? Uh, super busy, as is any iPhone launch week, um, but we're, we're getting through it. There's a, there was a lot of stuff to cover. Um, but yeah, the, the team is, is in good spirits in terms of you know pumping out articles uh, and, and making sure we're good to go on, on the actual release date. Fantastic. I, I have been following your efforts. I actually uh, will. There'll be a bunch of links in the show notes to stories that your team wrote. Uh, now that you're managing editor, it's uh, it's kind of nice, right? You get to juggle around things and tell people what to do and then uh, jump in when you need to. Um, I remember that from my Engadget days. So good times, right? Yeah, yeah. You get to kind of take what you've done previously and, and try to, you know, teach the, the rest of the crew uh, that's under you to you know, do that same thing, do it, do it in the same vein that, that you've done it before. So it's kind of nice to, to see that come to fruition, especially during uh, such a hectic week. Absolutely. So that's kind of why I wanted to have you on, though, that hectic week, because, well, you've been going to the Apple events. I know you didn't this time, but you have, mm-hmm. you know, had chance to play with these devices. And, I did. And uh, I would love to hear your thoughts, whatever you can reveal. I know there is certainly uh, some sort of embargo for the reviews. Um, based on my experience doing this in the past myself. But um, what's your general sense of what we got from Apple this weekend? And to be clear for the audience, we're not just going to talk about Apple today, but we're going to frame it in the context of the industry, of course. But come on, it's 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 iPhone week, right? Let's talk about the iPhone. Yeah. So uh, there there's definitely two camps out there. Some people who said they, they didn't do enough and some people who said they didn't do it a, a whole lot, but they did the right thing. So that is uh, utilizing the camera is going to be so much better than it has been before just because there's a a triple lens camera on the pro models. And that's what's really exciting a lot of people, um, the the focus on the camera, because people come up to me and they see their friend's Google Pixel phone or a Samsung phone or even, you know, in rare cases, a Huawei phone. And um, they'll say, I wish... You know, Huawei or Samsung or Google made an iPhone because they're, <laughs> they're that obsessed. I'm like, that's not how it works. But they love the pictures that their friends are taking, but they love their iPhone. So, you know, Apple's kind of playing catch up in some ways, and it's doing a, a better job than uh, some people thought they would do. Um, and that, that's kind of a nice thing, especially with that ultra wide camera that yeah. comes on the Pro models. I'm super excited about what they're doing there. I think it's it's time. It was way overdue. Uh, it's interesting what you mentioned about you know iPhone users. Um, I've be, I've seen both sides. I've seen iPhone users say, "Hey, you know, I saw your photos with the P30 Pro and with your the the Pixel 3a or whatever it might be. That's a recent phone that that have, performs really well in terms of imaging." And say to me, "Oh, like I wish I could do that with my iPhone." And then I've had other people come to me and go, "Like, what do you mean? There's a better phone than the iPhone for photos?" Mm-hmm. And and it's like I think they, they, they're not. They're kind of reluctant to un, to admit that you know that might be a possibility, just because they haven't seen it and experienced it. But I think there's a whole ecosystem out there of or 
universe, I should say, of, of people out there who, because at one point in time, the iPhone defined mobile imaging for that brief few years, right? Mm -hmm. That they feel that, of course, if I have an iPhone, I have the best in terms of imaging, right? So I thought that was kind of interesting because I, I, you know, I just spent three weeks at Burning Man at my gig there. And obviously, there's a lot of people with a lot of phones taking photos of the various art and whatever else. And, and it's, you know, I kind of always do a bit of an anthropological story of looking at what people are using, right? I think, you know, look, I've, and I saw a lot of people with iPhones, obviously, but a lot of people with, like iPhone 6s, 7s. Uh, not that many people with the newest stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously they're struggling a little bit, right? In low light, you know, it's a difficult environment to take photos in. Um, and I showed them my photos, which I primarily took with my Pixel 3 XL and my P30 Pro. And I also had an Honor 20 Pro on the, on the trip with me. And they're like, holy crap. And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, the iPhones, even the new ones, don't really do that right now. So I'm excited mm -hmm. about the fact that Apple finally brought us three cameras on the Pro and two cameras and the right two cameras. Yes. Right? Yeah. Telephoto. That's the thing. It's a nice to have, but it's not the necessary, you know, it doesn't make an arty type of uh, picture like kind of a, a slight fisheye lens does with a 120 degree uh, field of view. So that I'm looking forward to. Also, night mode. They've needed that for finally. a long time. Yeah. And they finally have it. And that's, it, it looks terrific, at least in the demos that we saw. And it it's pretty smart in that it can, you know, set the exposure automatically. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of uh, something I, I feel like Apple does pretty well with its time lapse uh, mode on, on videos. They've done that for years where it just, handles it for the user they don't need to set how many yeah you don't have to have separate there's no separate mode it just suggests exactly. it or pops it up and does it and in a way um some chinese and i should say some android manufacturers that are not that are not google mm -hmm. um chinese and otherwise korean have done that too where they suggest a mode um but they don't switch to it necessarily right so mm -hmm. so i think apple had probably you know but the thing is auto switching is a challenge right because you are making a decision for the user. And if you screw up that decision, you screw up that one photo, right? That they yes. want to take. So this is why I think Apple wins every time. And a lot of people talk to me and say, like, you're not an iPhone user. How do you, like, why are you so gung-ho on what Apple's doing? I'm like, because I recognize genius when I see it. And genius mm -hmm. is the finding that sweet spot of figuring out when you switch that mode properly and do it right. Mm -hmm. And now we don't know, right? We haven't reviewed the phones. We haven't tried the phones. We haven't tried the feature. But I, I have a hunch. You know, call me crazy. But I have a hunch that that auto switching is going to be super finely tuned and work really well on the iPhones. Yeah, there's something on there where it will have a, you know, a three second exposure, for example, when it feels like it needs that and it can do that when it's in your hands. But it can have up to like a, like a 10 or 20 second exposure if it detects that it's on a tripod. So if it's completely still uh, on a tripod or resting against a ledge or somewhere where the, the phone says, okay, I'm not in someone's shaky hands, it'll actually have a much longer exposure. So it, it's gotten to that level of sophistication and that's uh, you know something that Apple can pull off and, and think of ahead of time. Which really it's nice. interesting though that a lot of the like the, the kings of night mode being Google and Huawei. Mm -hmm. um, and, and let's talk about that in a second because I think Huawei deserves a lot of credit here. Um, 
it's not just Google. Uh, Huawei was the first. Huawei was the first to do this. And a lot of people are going to say, maybe there's been night modes on cameras forever. There's night mode and there's night mode. Okay, like, yeah. just, let me explain. Night mode, opening the shutter for a long time and gathering a lot of light has been around since manual photography existed. Like, you can set a camera on a tripod, set the shutter speed to 30 seconds, click the button, adjust your aperture and everything else, you focus, and you get, hopefully, if you know you do it right, you get a great photo. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're talking about here. Phones have had these night modes forever. And of course, they're completely unusable because who carries around a tripod? Yeah. The innovation were, that Huawei brought in with, I think, the P20 and P20 Pro a year ago, and they were the first, absolutely the first, way before Google Night Sight and everybody else, was that they would adjust for the motion of your hand in real time. They would take all these photos and gather them up, even though they're not lined up, and they, they, instead of like a three-second open shutter exposure, which is traditionally how you do that, or 30 seconds or 10 seconds, they would sample a 1,000 or whatever, 100 photos a second at much shorter exposure times where there is no motion blur. And then they would stack them in software. And this is computational photography. Even DSLRs and point-and-shoots, like the really high-end ones, like the RX100 Mark Seven, which is a delightful camera from Sony, um, or even the, the mirrorless APS-C cameras and, and, and Micro Four Thirds don't do this. And I think this is what the kind of like the pivot point we've had in photography in the last few years is that, yes, the camera phones don't have the large sensor and the massive glass of the dedicated cameras, but by having a lot of processing power, they can do this kind of crazy stuff where you take 100 pictures a second for 10 seconds, now you have a massive amount of data and you just make it all line up perfectly and yeah. then you get this long exposure out of it that's perfectly lined up but it was handheld and i'm impressed with huawei you can do 30 second long exposures handheld without being particularly still it will still stitch them together properly so i'm kind of interested that apple you know even detects a tripod mo- mode at the do you even need a tripod mode at this point you know what i'm saying if you do it right, right it doesn't matter right yeah yeah it's uh that, that that's the amazing part it's so many people, uh, you know, the the you know regular user out there, the average user, focuses too much on um, megapixels, and it's like, oh, well, this camera is only twelve megapixels, and then Moto will come out with a you know uh, forty-eight megapixel camera or something to that uh, you know extent, and they'll think that's better. But it's really about the chip that's inside and the post processing that that chip does to that photo. So um, they have figured that out, and that's kind of a, a nice thing. They they talk about the A13 Bionic chip, and I I think people get the wrong impression of it's more powerful, but how powerful do you need a phone to be? It, it's not about speed, though. It's about the intelligence and the machine right. learning that's on there to, to edit your photos, and then as soon as you bring up the photo, it's already processed and, and looks perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, give you an example, you know, because we don't talk about just iPhones on the show, obviously, is for me, like the Nokia 9, right? PureView. That phone is a computational photography masterpiece, except the photos that, comes out, that come out of it are not really that great. And mm-hmm. I think the reason for that is because they're making the wrong decisions. <laughs> and they need to tune the crap out of this to make it really work. But that's the key, right? The key, and this is what I think Google took Google a little while to get to, but they are really good at now, and, and Apple's always been very good at, is the user needs to have a photo they can use immediately. Like a photo that is really the best possible photo in the brief amount of time you could compute on it to use right here, right now, 
to send to your friends, to put on Instagram, to share with your grandma, you know what I'm saying? Without mm-hmm. having to do any tweaking. And yeah. Nokia is like the complete reverse of that. It's like the Nokia 9 Preview, I've taken some delightful pictures with it that when I first looked at them, I was like, this is crap. And then I went into like the Lightroom and, and I used the raw photo and I made something absolutely gorgeous out of it because there's a lot of data there to play with. But I'm like, why couldn't you do this for me, Nokia? Really? Mm-hmm. Why couldn't you do, I give all this computational stuff, you're talking about machine learning and you're not doing this for me? Fail, right? Yeah. So... Again, back to your argument about the megapixels, I completely agree. And I think the big thing right now, we're seeing trends for 40 megapixel sensors on the Huawei P30 Pro, 48 on the Sony IMX 586 and 582, which are very popular sensors. You see them on OnePlus 7 Pro, a bunch of other phones. Uh, some of the, sh- the mid-range Xiaomi phones, the Zen Phone 6, those $500 pseudo flagships that are phenomenal have that sensor. And there's 64 megabyte, uh, megapixel sensors coming. Uh, and what people need to understand is these sensors don't output 48 megapixels. Well, they can, but that's not the point. They're mm-hmm. downsampling. It's, it's like, remember in the CD player days? I'm probably dating myself here because half my audience was born like way past that. But back in the days of CD players, there was this whole oversampling, right? And you still exist in audio today. Like you can, you know, you can, uh, some people listen to music at like, you know, 96 kilohertz or whatever. And... You know, this is kind of the reverse of that. You're taking a lot of data, 48 megapixels, but your pixels are small. So they, they're little, they struggle on low light, they're noisy. So now what you do is you computationally combine four of those into one giant pixel that is computationally higher quality. And you output, what do you output when you divide 48 by four? Well, 12 megapixels, right? <laughs> and that's why the output of the P30 Pro at 40 megapixel sensor is 10 megapixels. And the 64 mm-hmm. megapixel sensors are going to be 16 megapixel photos. So don't let, don't be fooled by those numbers. It's the output is really what matters. And the output is a computational output. Yeah, that's, um, you know, the numbers working against Apple and, and other manufacturers. Sometimes when you see 12 megapixels, they also have that problem with um, Apple specifically with RAM. Um, people think, okay, it doesn't have as much RAM uh, in their phone compared to a 12 uh, gigabyte RAM uh, of uh, a Samsung phone. Um, but that's, I've never had uh, a brand new Apple phone or a brand new iPhone and said, oh, this is pretty slow. Um, that just doesn't happen. So when you really think about it, uh, it's not that big of a deal not to have the big numbers. It's just what you have to pay attention to in the reviews. Is this a really good device? for X, Y, and Z. So yeah. I, I think uh, the the marketing is a little difficult for some of the top tier companies. Uh, and it's when, tough, right? Yeah. Because I mm-hmm. think the, the thing you run into is that a lot of people want some kind of metric they can put their finger on and say, oh, because of this, this camera is gonna be a good camera. And and also I think, you know, I'm not a spec monster. I don't really care that much about specs, but there are some base specs and cameras that you wanna have, OIS, um, large pixels, you know, uh, fast lenses like f of 1.6, 1.4, 1.5 seems to be the norm on Android now, which is pretty amazingly exciting. If you think about the amount of work that went into making a lens that small with that fast of an f-stop, that large of an aperture, it's kind of crazy. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't look at the specs. Do you know what the f-stop is on the on the iPhone main camera? I think it's 1.8 still, right? Just like the Google Pixel. Yeah, I don't think that has changed. 
But they did improve the sensor last year, and now they're doing all more computational stuff because the A13 Bionic and more, you know, machine machine learning based computational. And again, the thing that's got me the most excited overall is the iPhone 11, the base model, uh, because they dropped the price by fifty dollars, and they added a ultra wide. And to me, if you've ever used a phone that has multiple lenses. Um, the telephoto used to be a nice thing to have, and I still think is a nice thing to have. But if I have a choice between either a telephoto or ultra wide as a second camera, I'll take the ultra wide every time because you can zoom in nowadays up to two times pretty well digitally. Like there are algorithms, again, computational photography lets you do that. Those 48 megapixel sensors on some of those phones really shine when you uh, zooming two times because then they can use their native pixels. At least they shine in daytime. Uh, and then, but the ultra wide, you can never pull back. Like, how do you pull back, right? So all of mm-hmm. a sudden, you have a wider field of view and it's just magic. And you have really dramatic looking shots because of that. Think GoPro, right? And I think once people experience that, they're going to never go back. And I'm so glad that Samsung with the Galaxy S10e, the, the cheaper one, and mm-hmm. Apple with the app, the iPhone 11 now, I've made the right decision, which is give us some ultra wide and drop the telephoto because ultimately the telephoto is really a luxury. You don't really need it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, it was surprising to see for a lot of people, but it, it to me and, and to also you, it makes a lot of sense because it's, it's definitely the lens that gives you a, a different perspective. The telephoto lens at a two times optical zoom, really feel like it doesn't change very much for me. Um, it's like move up ten feet, like that's it. it that's think, what it feels like. Yeah, I think, but but sometimes you can't get that shot right. You know how sometimes right. you're seeing that that magic composition of a perspective, and if you move closer or forward, backwards or forwards, you change the perspective angle and it doesn't look right anymore. Mm-hmm. That's when you want that telephoto. But that's a rare thing, and I feel like. Two times is really very little gain. So honestly, when you're going to be using the telephoto on the iPhone 11 Pro or you're using today on a Galaxy or a OnePlus, all these phones that have two times telephotos or three times telephotos, you're going to end up, you know, zooming in more than that, mm-hmm. ideally, probably four times. So you're still cropping digitally no matter what, right? So this is the reality. The telephoto lenses today just basically give you a bit of an edge so that you have less digital zoom when you're going more than three times is basically the way I look at it. But very rarely do I find using a two times zoom on a phone these days. That's kind of why I love the P30 Pro went to five times optical. Like, let's not screw around. Let's give you all that power so you can actually, uh, you know, get some real zoom going on, right? Yeah, we update uh, TechRadar in real time. So Apple said there's a four times optical zoom at one point, which was technically true. Yes. Well, it's going from the ultra wide to the two right. times, right? Optical. Yeah. So that when they said sense. four times, I was like, "Oh wow, they're you know basically rivaling the five times optical zoom." Uh, and then I realized that wasn't the case at all. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> See, that, this is marketing. Really it's stuff. it's actually it really is. clever on their part, right? Yeah. But you know, by those metrics, the Oppo Reno, right, um, which is a has an and something like a I don't know eight times or five times optical zoom. Um, you know, it's a total from the ultra wide to the max is like something like a 10x, right? It's yeah. like that, that becomes weird. Um, right. But look, I'm excited about the cameras, even though it's catch up. And uh, the other thing I think is super exciting we should talk about is the f-stop, the, the speed of the lens on that telephoto. The mm-hmm. Note last month um, I introduced a f over 2.1 telephoto lens. Most telephoto lenses on phones, the zoom lens, 
has been have been slow lenses like f over 2.4 f over 3.0 and those don't perform that well in low light even if you have a decent sensor it's a little hard to gather light so you lose some performance in low light and now with uh you know phones like the galaxy note 10 which is an f over 2.1 uh, for its telephoto and of course phones like the iphone 11 pro we now have f over 2.0 which i believe is the fastest two times optical zoom lens on any phone today which is yeah. kudos to Apple for actually having a one-time thing that mm -hmm. is better than the competition. Yeah, they didn't wait around for that, which nope. was nice. But I mean, again, they're not the first. The same with the wide angle, they're not the first. And, and it's like, it feels to me like what they released with the iPhone 11 in terms of imaging is what we needed, not something that's really pushing the envelope. Now there's a deep, what is it, deep focus, deep, uh, what's it called? It was a deep fusion, deep fusion. And it's some sort of algorithm that uses machine learning to even improve the photos in low light further. It sounds like a, basically to me like a super night mode, but mm -hmm. we'll have to wait and see because that's not coming out. Like you won't be able to review it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to me overall, all of that's great. And the A13 Bionic, we know that Apple slays when it comes to processor performance that's that's their thing right i mean and you know you're talking about ram earlier and comparing ram on to android phones you can't do that you can't even compare battery sizes once they start tearing down those iphones i fix it we'll see that the the actual battery cells will be really small compared to android they'll be like 2700 instead of like 4000 right and the reason for that is that apple really has an edge in efficiency because of that really incredible arm you know, system that they have these these system on a chip that they've been designing since I don't know for a decade now, right? Yeah, and they create everything—the software, the hardware. Um, they're in charge of everything instead of getting off-the-shelf uh, chips and you know getting software from Google and applying their own software. Like they, it's from top to bottom. Apple. You know who's like that too, component. though. Who's that? Uh, kind of. I mean, it's slightly different, but Huawei. Because yeah. of their Kirin chips. So they're able to optimize Android they, because Android is open source. They're able to take the open source course of Android, uh, open source code of Android, and go, oh, let's optimize this for the, the crap out of this for our Kirin chips. And you notice it because I don't know if you have played with any Huawei phones, even the mid range ones are like, whoa, responsive. Despite yep. the pretty heavy skinning and some of the weird Chinese UI things, it's like very impressive. And I mean, OnePlus is another example. Mm -hmm. They take Qualcomm's work and Android's work, Google's work on open source Android, and they tweak the living hell out of it. And mm -hmm. the next thing you have is like these phones that are super fast. Like I honestly feel the OnePlus 7 Pro uh, with that 90 hertz display right now is just like, I, 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 once you use that, you even go back to a pixel and you're like, no. Yeah, no, 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 it no. does make a difference <laughs> from 60 hertz. Yeah, absolutely. It's like going from an, going from an iPhone to an Android phone. <laughs> you know, iPhones are always so smooth. That's the thing that, uh, and, and I'm glad to see Android finally slowly with a few select phones getting there. I just wish it was the case for all Android phones. Um, I do have to admit though, some of those mid-rangers or mid-range in price at least, those $500 pseudo flagships that we've seen, like the Zenfone 6 and stuff, mm -hmm. are getting pretty damn fast for their money. And, and... I mean, like you don't feel they don't feel laggy at all, which is nice. Uh, and and it's nice that they also have pretty stock Android builds, right? Yeah, and it pushes the Apples and the Samsungs of the world to come up with more things besides we have a really fast chip. Because if they're all fast, if they all have great battery life, they'll have to stock their their uh, phones with better cameras and just new innovative software. So 
that's kind of a, a good thing for, for everybody involved. Absolutely. So what else stands out for you? To me, the thing about the iPhones is that really, if you look at it, the imaging is a big news for mm -hmm. me. The Bionic chip, of course, the battery life, big improvements in battery life on the Pro models. Um, speaking of Pro, I love the naming. I'm yes. very happy about this. It's, it's uh, a mouthful, especially if you go for the Why? iPhone 11 Pro Max. The Pro um, Max is, a, I think, a bad, bad idea because there's actually a like a nutrition, like health yeah. workout product called the Pro Max, I believe. That, that's what uh, I first thought of as well, yeah. Oh, Max Pro or something. Yeah, it sounds like something out of like the GNC store at your local mall. Right. Um, I'm actually deciding between the 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max. I feel like, I like to say, when I go down to a, a 5.8 inch phone uh, after using a, a 6.5 inch phone, I feel like my hand has gone on vacation because there's just so much room to maneuver with one hand. It's so yeah. nice um, because the specs are the same. The cameras are the, the same on, on both pro models. And yeah, I, I may take a break, but you know, in rare instances, I do like the bigger screen, but I like the maneuverability of a smaller device. So I'm, I'm caught in the middle. I have a couple hours before I have to pre-order and decide. Uh, oh we'll boy. See, right. Yeah, it's a yeah. tough one. I don't know what I would do. Last year, I would have been inclined to order the... I, I didn't buy one, but I would have bought the, the Max, I think, simply because of the novelty factor. Like, oh, yes. a new, a big a big iPhone, finally, like a really big iPhone. And then this year, I'd be like, you know, after touching my old good old iPhone ten, like regular ten, not ten mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, maybe I want to stick with 5.8. It's a pretty delightful size. Yeah. Um, but I think if I had to spend my money right now on a phone, on an iPhone 11... It would be the regular simply because yeah. I think for, I honestly think for five nine what is six ninety nine, seven hundred dollars it is really great. I, I, and a lot of people like 720p IPS, whatever. Okay, look, that was never an issue with the 10R, okay? And the 10R mm -hmm. was my recommendation last year. That's not going to change. I don't think you should, honestly, unless you're like super hardcore and you want that telephoto, don't spend the money on the 11 Pro. It's just not worth it. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And you get better colors too. You get more, yeah. more colors more so, colors and you know that next year this is going to be a big deal this iphone next year it's gonna have to oh yeah. be. it's gonna have to have 5g yep. it's gonna have to have like a completely new redesign of the the case because that notch is really getting old like i i know it's acceptable still and it's kind of iconic new iphone shape right like you right. know the old iphone shape was like the cut top and bottom with the home button like you could you could stylize it very easily in an icon right it was like Everybody knew what an iPhone looked like. And now I think everybody knows what an iPhone looked like because of the cutoff, because of the, the notch. But so many phones have notches and it, so many phones have gone beyond notches. At, at this point, I think what Apple needs to do is a notchless phone next. Yeah. And I hope they bring that next year. I, I think they have to. I think that's the one glaring issue uh, when you're, you're using the phone. It's, it, you're right. It's become iconic, but not always for the right reasons. Right. And uh, Samsung made a, made a point of that several times in their, uh, in their ads. And um, yeah, I think that could be the big change because it's the first thing you see when you look at a, a new iPhone. It's, it's that notch. You, it, it's, it's hard to miss. So yeah. I, I think that could be, uh, that and 5G are the big upgrades that we could see in, uh, in a year's time. Yeah, and probably some more imaging stuff. But the other thing that I really want to see next year, and I want to probe your thoughts on this, is USB Type-C, at least on the Pro models, because that, I really am surprised that they introduced the Pro moniker this mm -hmm. year uh, for the phones. 
and I'm surprised in a good way. That's I think it's a good branding. It's better branding because you know. And if you look at my, it's interesting. If you look at Apple's marketing materials, they don't use the Max moniker that often. They mm -hmm. only use it for specific things like the specs on the bigger phone, or when they want to differentiate that they're talking about the bigger phone. But usually they call the series of these two phones the iPhone XS and the iPhone 11 Pro, mm -hmm. like. Have you noticed that? So I think they're kind of reluctantly calling it the Max. I think probably because some there are some, there's some need out there probably from their carrier partners to differentiate. I yeah. think in an ideal world, what we'd see is we wouldn't even see iPhone 11. We'd see iPhone for the base model, and we'd see iPhone Pro in two sizes, kind of like with their laptops, right? Where you have you know MacBook Pro in brackets, late late 2019 or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of why I'm hoping that Apple can get to with their branding. Because honestly, who cares what version you have? Yeah. We all know like, my spouse has an iPhone SE, okay? Mm -hmm. That thing is kicking, it's running iOS 13 so nicely, I, I'm amazed. Like, wow, like, I mean, this thing is what? iPhone 6 grade processor in there? Yeah. It's kind of impressive. Success it is, great, and think. people yeah. love the SE. They want it to come oh, back. They and need to come back. Will. Yeah, I hope probably so. I really want to year. see. I want to see like a sub five, like a five point five inch, not edge to edge display based iPhone that replaces the SE at like four ninety nine price point. Yeah, there are concepts out there, and they look same really, cameras really as the as the eleven. You know, mm -hmm. same processor as eleven available April. Come on, yeah. Apple, let's make this go. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That that could be a great, great phone for people reluctant to upgrade. When you were talking about seeing a bunch of iPhone 6s and 6s out there in, in the wild, um, I think sometimes Apple's biggest competition is not Huawei or Samsung or anybody else. It is Apple from several years ago. Right. Because they made a great phone, and no one needs to upgrade necessarily. And and the, the specs, and you know, that just doesn't phase people um, very much. So... The uh, having something that's new and novel, uh, so to speak, and also goes back to what people like is you know a smaller phone that fits in their hand. I think that could really speak to people. So I'm really intrigued if if they you know go down that path again, which I hope they do. Yeah. And dare I say, what if they put a headphone jack on that phone? That's that's the big mystery because because like you know be... like Google went back with the three A right the Pixel three A so here's why I think they should do that I guess it's anecdotal but again you know you and I live in a world where we get a new phone every week and it's the latest and it's cool and we know and we play with it and we're like constantly immersed in the best and the latest and the newest not necessarily the best in terms of spec because we review mid range phones too but we we kind of I think live in a vacuum in a way when I was out there again in the desert um, I you know I help. Uh, run the coffee shop there so I'm I work with with volunteers and we let our volunteers plug their phones in during their shift like they, somebody decides whose phone it's going to be and play the music in the coffee shop right mm -hmm. so we've had a sound system for that there for years and it what does it have a 3.5 millimeter jack right mm -hmm. this is the first year I've worked there 12 where a lot of people just couldn't plug their phones in we, yeah. we were like, oh, looking at each other going, oh, crap, we forgot the adapter. Oh, we can't, I can't use my phone. I can't play music. So we had to kind of ask, who's got an iPhone with a headphone jack? Who's got an Android phone with a headphone jack? And 
we'd plug that in and, and let them DJ, right? And it yeah. was this weird thing that like we really had to look for people. And so that's where the, when I talked to the iPhone 6 success users out there that still had these old phones, I said like, what's the single best like thing that, that's stopping you right now? And a lot of them were like, well, the money, but then the other ones were like, headphone jack, I want a headphone jack. I don't want a dongle. Yeah. And you know, we live in this world where we think Bluetooth has become the thing and AirPods are the thing. And you know, I know, I know a lot of people who love their AirPods and I think they're great, but I, th I think that there's also a lot of people out there who are like, you know, I'm afraid to lose them and, and I'm, or I constantly lose them and I'm spending a lot of money replacing them. Yeah. Um, that there's a story on, I don't know what paper that was, uh, about people who lose their iPods on the, on the subway in New York. Apparently yes. the MTA is really pissed off because they have to retrieve so many off the tracks all the time. They actually have a stick that, you know, with a little grabber on the end that picks them up, uh, specialized for this use case. And that was, My that was an interesting thing because they're doing it so frequently. They have to get that, that special stick out to, to get the AirPods. It's, it's, uh, it's become an epidemic. I, I think, uh, I think, you know, maybe Apple should reconsider that. The other thing that that 2020 iPhone might come with is an in-display fingerprint reader. Strangely, there's rumors that Apple might go back to having a fingerprint reader, but it might be half the bottom half of the display, which mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense because that's what Rene Ritchie's been talking about for years on on iMore, I should say on Vector, his podcast, his video podcast, is, you know, this concept of multiple sources of authentication. So you're touching the bottom half of your phone with your thumb at the same time as you're looking at the face ID sensor and it has two ways of authenticating you, right? It's putting yeah. probabilities on it. It's like, I think this is 95% likely to be Miriam's thumb. Mm -hmm. And I think it's 95% likely to be her face. Boom. Unlock, right? That'd be good. Um, so it's got more security. So back to the USB type C though, it's interesting because, you know, the first I, uh, iPad pros did not have USB C. And then when they went to the kind of lower bezel, count like the face id based ipad pros they changed to usb type c and then they eventually released features that we were expecting at launch that aren't there right now because they're coming with the ipad os which are things like mass storage support oh gee wow <laughs> but i'm surprised that they went with the pro moniker and stayed with Lightning for probably one more year because I wouldn't be surprised if the next year's iPhone Pros, at least the Pros, have USB-C. Why yeah. do you think they didn't switch right now? Uh, I think when they switched from the 30-pin dock to the Lightning port, they reassured everybody that this will have a 10-year lifespan. Now, they say 10 years, but that means it'll you know, not be phased out completely uh, for 10 years. So it, there's some wiggle room there, but... You know, a lot of people probably think, like, I just switched to Lightning in, you know, relative terms. Um, and then they, they have all these Lightning connectors. But I'm I'm kind of surprised they haven't done it for a, a reason of there are a lot of devices out there in China and, and other places that probably use USB-C already. Um, and people who are kind of, you know, this is their one Apple product, they probably have... USB-C. We see this all the time with micro USB. Right. Uh, there are a lot of companies that release cheap devices, and if they're targeted at um, countries besides the usual US and Europe, um, they will use micro USB because A, it's a little bit cheaper, and B, because a lot of people have micro USB cables out there. So I think the right time for Apple to do it is when USB-C is pretty prevalent, not just in the US where we're pretty, you know, we're early adopters, um, but 
worldwide where that that connection becomes the dominant connection. Uh, but I, I think there's a chicken and egg yet. problem there because from what I talk when I talk to a lot of my audiences in India, uh, when I talk to my listeners there and I talk to listeners in South America and in China even, um, they the manufacturers are purposely staying to micro USB. Even Huawei on their cheaper phones is still micro USB. Even they they even provide like high speed charging over micro USB. Mm, but it's because again because of, because of what you said because the ecosystem doesn't exist so but you need that ecosystem which eventually become a thing yeah so when does the transition happen is like when does the critical mass happen and i feel that they're purposely holding back that that transition by enabling this i hate to say that but mm-hmm. why don't you just flood the market uh and when it, every time you sell a new phone like that bundle in a, a one cent micro usb to USB C adapter Right. That way, these people can use their their phones, um, yeah. and then eventually it'll become a thing, right? Yeah. Um, DJI is another company that I follow closely, and uh, they have switched over to USB-C recently, but it took them way too long. Canon is another company that has just switched over in the new cameras that they just came out with. I got a, a camera like uh, about a year and a half ago, and it had micro USB, and it, it's become a problem because a lot of the things that I'm plugging it into are USB-C based and um, micro USB is just, I want it out of my life as soon as possible. And um, I think Apple's holding on to lightning a little bit because uh, they do have a bunch of accessories out there and they probably get a little bit of a uh, royalty from that lightning oh, port yeah, and the, sure. the, the, the MiFi uh, yeah. or the, uh, um, the made for iPhone. That's, that's the yeah, term MFI, that they use. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, so they're probably holding on to that for one more year, whereas USB-C is open source, and we'll see if uh, you know that that's something that they change over to next year. I really hope they do. I'm actually honestly not even expecting the main iPhone, like the 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 affordable, the equivalent of the 11 next year, yeah. to be to, to switch. I think that's perfectly reasonable to keep that iPhone going on Lightning for another two or three years. But I feel like the Pro model. Like you got you got to switch over. It's like you these are this an expectation level. Like you see the pros and they're using they like you look at me. I travel with two PD chargers, one PD battery pack, like power mm. power delivery, like high high current high voltage USB C charging. Um, that way I can charge my laptops, whatever laptop or tablet I'm reviewing. Uh, I can charge whatever phones I'm reviewing because they're all, and I always have to freaking carry some sort of yep. lightning USB C to lightning adapter or something. Because I'm freaking iPhone, uh, not that I carry an iPhone all the time, but sometimes it's nice to have. And and that's the only thing. My 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 Sony wireless uh, Bluetooth headphones um, are the Mark Threes. They're USB Type C. My 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 Verizon hotspot that I use is a USB Type C. Like I don't think there's. I think other than like a couple of devices that I have left, there are there's all everything's USB C. I have like maybe one. Bluetooth speaker or something that's micro USB and like that I travel with, right? At home, of course, mm-hmm. I have a whole bunch of stuff like all my my Amazon Echo Dots and yeah. whatever. They're all USB C, but those I don't I don't care because they're plugged into the dedicated charger all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, not even charger because they're power adapters. There's no batteries on those things. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I I feel like they're trying to make us milk it for one more year, but I really think they can't get away with doing that another year after that. No, not on the pro. Not for the pros. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that stand, that stood out for you in terms of the iPhones before we switch to maybe talking about the Apple Watch for a bit? 
Yeah, going back to the camera for a little bit, um, the ultra-wide camera, I'll give you two quick examples of where that has really helped me um, using it on the Note 10 Plus, at least. Um, I was uh, trying to take a picture of a, a building in New York City that happened to look really great because there was a uh, it had rained a uh, couple hours prior and there was a puddle. And I took it with the main camera because that was, you know, I, something I love about the uh, Samsung phones is you double tap on the uh, sleep wake, wake button and it, the uh, camera app pops up, which right. is fantastic. And um, some other Android phones have that, although Huawei, I have so many photos of because they use the um, volume down button and it mm -hmm. opens up the camera app and it takes uh, a photo instantly, you can turn which that seems off, like a great way. idea. That's a setting. You can yeah. turn it that it doesn't take the photo, just turns on the camera. Yeah, I, I every time I get a new Huawei phone, I keep forgetting to do that, and then <laughs> I do it eventually, and then I get a new Huawei right. phone, and I have to do it all over again. <laughs> oh, but God. Um, yeah, I have so many just errant photos out there that aren't meant to be photos, and just the entire gallery full of that. But the, that's besides the point. I I, I took the, a picture of this building, and I I took it, and I there was going to be uh, you know cabs coming through that puddle in a matter of seconds, and so I only had. A brief amount of time to to take that photo and i couldn't really move back because it was a sidewalk with a bunch of people on there um yeah. so i took the photo and the top of the building in the uh where the building or the top of the uh building in the frame was cut off and in the bottom it was cut off as well in the puddle and <laughs> no. i quickly switched to the ultra wide camera and i got the photo i wanted kind of it, it it's in my review I, I make a big point of this but it looked pretty good it had a little too much in it and i think that's the one mistake people make when they test out an ultra wide camera for the first time iphone users are going to go through the same thing um it gets a little bit too much in there uh, a lot of excess but what i did was i cropped it to where i you know one I, I wanted a tighter shot kind of like the first photo but not cutting things off and obviously looking like uh, a bad photo so i cropped it just to the top and bottom of uh, that that building in the frame and then um it looked perfect, and I, I put it through Lightroom. I did minor uh, tweaks uh, to kind of enhance the color of the sky, and it looked just ten times better than it could have. And uh, the uh, the one that had the building cut off was not usable. It, it you could tell it, it wasn't an interesting photo. But that ultra wide camera um, really makes a difference in that case. The other case is uh, I went down to um, uh, financial district. Um, last night, and they have the uh, 911 tribute memorial lights. And I didn't have an Android phone on me because um, you know I, I just had a uh, telephoto lens on my uh, mirrorless camera, and I had my iPhone. And I was able to get up pretty close. They let you into the roof deck of uh, a parking lot that um, is right there next to the tribute lights, and uh, I wasn't able to get as good of a shot if. You know, if I was carrying that ultra wide lens, uh, and if I had the new iPhone already in my hands, I would have you know had a much better time uh, taking a photo. Um, panoramics really don't do it, uh, so I, I was up close, and that's where I wanted to be, but I couldn't get everything in in that photo, so I had to right. kind of right. find a new vantage point. But that was the spot to be at. I couldn't really take advantage of that. And I think that's where the ultra wide lens is going to really impress a lot of iPhone users. It's, it's those scenarios where you, yeah, you want to absolutely. not have to back up. Yeah, no, I mean, that's really important.
Yeah, so what do you think of the finish on the back? Uh, it looks really interesting. This kind of frosty glass, right? I, I much prefer that. Um, I uh, tire of the fingerprints that get on <laughs> the, uh, the, the, just the reflective mirror finish of a lot of the glass that's uh, out there on, on my current iPhone XS uh, Max. Um, so I, I do like that aspect of it. It reminds me a little bit of it reminds me a little bit of a MacBook uh, finish, um, and that's that's kind of a great thing um, in that it's you know a, a space gray uh, kind of uh, color to it. So I appreciate that. I I don't know if I love the green, the midnight green. I'm actually uh, really excited about the emeraldish, yeah. whatever color. Yeah, it's it's interesting that they went with that color as a third color for the Pro. Like it's so random. I was totally yes. expecting that to be an iPhone 11 color. You know. Yeah, yeah, they have uh, a lot. Uh, the colors are brighter on the iPhone 11. So, um, yeah, this one's an interesting one. I, I may go to that. I usually like owning the new color. Um, I also <laughs> have gotten used to the folio case. Um, oh, yeah. So I, that's what I carry around all the time. I keep my New York City Metro card in there, and it's so easy to, to grab that. I keep my, uh, for future, when I go to the office, uh, I have to buzz in, so I have the yeah, yeah. ID sitting right there. Um, they only have two colors for the folio cases. They had eight before, and my standard oh. red color is not available. They have like oh. an eggplant color and then a black color, which is like off black. Um, and so I'm I'm kind of disappointed in that. But uh, I I may uh, cut out the camera hole in my current red, <laughs> uh, and I'm thinking about it. And then just donating the money to uh, AIDS research where, you know, that's where some of the product red money goes to. For sure, yeah. How much, I don't say that. but And you never know, like, they, might, yeah. they might come out with a product red. The other thing I would say is uh, whoever is listening right now that's a case manufacturer, I always get pimped a lot of cases by email. Maybe you mm -hmm. should talk to Matt and offer him a case that is um, pretty <laughs> much a match for what he wants, right? right. Uh, Shenzhen Special. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's tons of case manufacturers that are hungry for coverage because I feel like they're the, the markup on cases is a lot more than people realize, especially if you shop at a Best Buy or um, another retailer. Uh, the, uh, the cases are definitely a, a profitable business to be in. Yeah. So shall we switch to the Apple Watch real quick? Um, yeah. Because, well, obviously, you know, we have an hour and I want to cover a few more things. But uh, what is your thoughts? I was kind of impressed honestly i you know i used to work at pebble smartwatches mm -hmm. are dear to my heart i think the apple watch has always been a phenomenal watch um especially if you're in the iphone ecosystem i mean uh during the keynote they showed that video of people who is, it saved their lives and I, I i believe that is really a thing that apple is in a unique position to offer right this ekg features all that but what finally got me really perked up on this is the always on display my biggest gripe about the Apple, my two biggest gripes since day one with the Apple Watch have been number one, that it's not an always on display. And I understand why, like, don't get me wrong, I get it. But to me, a watch should be a static item that you have in your environment, either on your wrist or around you somewhere, on your night table, on your desk, if you're not wearing it, that you can glance at and automatically see the most important thing a watch does, mm -hmm. the time. And so now Apple has resolved that. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, to me, this, this feature is really critical. I feel like finally we've got a, f a watch out there that apparently mm -hmm. they have some kind of new display tech. It's OLED based from what I understand, 
but it can refresh down to one hertz refresh rate, which is amazing. So battery life is not impacted. I'm not sure if where if it wears the OLED pixels or not, and that's the thing we'll have to discover. But look, other manufacturers have OLED watches have done the always on display, and yes, it does wear it out a little faster, but it's never really been enough of an issue to um, to be a problem. And I feel like you know, forget it. You're going to replace that watch in two years anyway. If the display has a little bit of burn in, whatever, right? That's my opinion. So that's a big deal. The other thing that I've always disliked about the Apple watch is that it's square and, mm. and that hasn't changed, but I've kind of adapted to the design. And I feel that with the bigger, less bezel display that they introduced to the series four last year, you know, the proportions are better and I feel I like it better. So I'm, pretty gung-ho about what they showed there and and adding a compass i didn't realize they didn't have one i was surprised honestly because most of the smart watches i've used have had a compass so, yeah i'm of two minds on the apple watch 5 being an apple watch series 4 user um it i was relieved because of the always on display that i've always wanted just like you i i've tested this out on uh samsung watches and and other smart watches and it's finally you know it's long overdue so I was relieved at that, and I was like, all right, that, that's, that's here. And I was also kind of disappointed that uh, sleep tracking wasn't a feature that, that uh, Apple is pushing, at least officially. They have a lot of third-party apps in the App Store. Oh, they don't have that built in yet? No. and oh. Well, not officially. So okay. it's not part of their health uh, push. And, and it seems like it would be because it is, it's, a, it's a health problems for, for a lot of people, um, especially people who are busy and you know, going to buy an Apple Watch, they're 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 buying it because they're they're busy people and they don't even want to look at their phone to get notifications. That's like the number one use case for a lot of people out there. Um, they have sleeping problems, and they you know if you're gamifying sleep, maybe you'll really help people out uh, to kind of say, okay, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Um, I can see it right in front of me according to these stats. Let me try to get to sleep, uh, you know, better to tonight. And um, you know, Apple could remind you of like hey get to sleep now um th there's some 30 part third party apps that kind of do that but not to the degree that apple could really push that with native software and i i feel like a lot of people if it's not built into either a phone or a watch they don't touch third party apps a lot of times it doesn't hit the masses so right. um i'm yeah, surprised that about that like that's something i thought was long acquired by the apple watch as a feature set wow yeah yeah, it's, it was heavily rumored, and there were some leaks out there. So I'm hoping it's you know something that's delayed, maybe uh, Watch OS 4.1 uh, right. or, or 4.3. Sometimes they, they come out with a, a mid-cycle update, but well, and or not uh, the um, I think they're actually up to six Apple Watch six uh, for the OS. Um, right. So if they uh, come out with that before next year, I would really love that, um, especially since it's heavily leaked there was some you know code discovered that this is happening and apparently it didn't happen um and uh yeah that's the one feature that i think could really help them in the uh the health department where they're trying to heavily invest i agree i think for me um if i look at you know i wear a galaxy watch right now but i often wear android wear wear os watches which it, for me the primary need for a watch is tell the time always on display notifications and step tracking 
And uh, and so these, I don't need, my requirements are pretty low. I don't need apps or anything. I don't use them for navigation or anything else. Uh, but my Most of my interactions are dismissing notifications or maybe doing short replies, you know, where you're like select an answer from a choice of answers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I really need. So, but over the years now, what I've also been doing is using like help fitness bands separately to mm-hmm. track my my steps, yes, but also my sleep. And not because I have sleeping problems, just I, I like to quantify it and get a feel for it. Like, do I need to sleep more? Am I, you know, shortchanging myself on sleep? And so I've been using a Huawei band, um, a bunch of different ones as they keep releasing new models, uh, simply because it just works. Like, they have automatic sleep detection. I just put the band on, I go to sleep, and I get data the next morning. And it's great. It integrates with uh, Google Fit. So I get everything centralized. And, you know, between wearing that in the evening and wearing a watch in the daytime, I get a pretty accurate step count because everything fuels into Google Fit. My various Android phones on my body keep track of my steps as well. Right. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, hybridization of the, the sensors. But for me, that's the killer app. If if I had to wear one thing right now, um, if it would probably be a band mm-hmm. that has t- sleep tracking and has step tracking and has decent notifications and tells the time. So I don't even need a smartwatch per se, but a watch form factor is nicer. Having a nice round display like the Galaxy watch that I wear is, is lovely and you get a lot of real estate on there. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, if I was an iPhone user, of course, I'd have an Apple Watch, but then I'd be moaning the lack uh, of sleep tracking, and I'd probably mm-hmm. wear that Huawei band at night anyway, <laughs> which is yeah, kind you of can't counterproductive. The and the Huawei band lasts like 10 days on a charge if I only use it at night, so it's pretty um, pretty awesome that way. Um, but at the same time, you know what else the Huawei band does that, I, I, that Apple Watch does as well, but that I wish my Galaxy Watch did, is continuous heart rate monitoring, like yes. all the time. And I have exact data that I can look at of to like, I can tell like, oh, I got excited at that point in time, or I got, you know, anxious at that point in time because my heart rate went up and I can correlate it to what I did that day. But I, I like to look at it every day just briefly and go like, oh, okay. Um, and obviously Apple Watch does that and way more with the EKG feature since Apple Watch Series 4. But for me, the five, I feel like they're constantly refining. I love that they have a titanium model, that they have a ceramic model. I mean, it's, you know, not something I would spend money on, but I think that the options, you know, watches are very personal things and having different colors, different materials, different shapes, different sizes. And that's the only thing that Apple, I wish, could do is different shapes and um, different sizes are doing, but different shapes. Yeah. They really need uh, a round watch at some point, you know. One one day. I think their advantage to keeping the same form factor is that uh, it's backward compatible with all the bands that are out there, and there's a. But they nice could ecosystem. technically use those band, this oh, band yeah. design on a round watch. I think it'd be cool, like to have a very pebble-shaped, perfectly circular round watch with that accepts the same bands. If anybody can do it, it's Apple. Yeah. So I I'm waiting to see that come out of nowhere someday, and then may and and you know I hate to say this because you know I, we've all been wanting iMessage on Android, but. I really want to be able to use an Apple Watch with an Android phone. I, I like yeah. it properly. Like, it, I hate I hate that Apple's never going to do that because they want mm-hmm. me to invest in their ecosystem and use an iPhone. But I think there's a lot of people in my boat because the world of Android wearables, even though the Galaxy Watch is decent, you know, Wear OS is a mess and there's really nothing else out there. Fitbit is not even on the table, I think. They're, right. they're, I mean, if you're a specialized kind of user, Garmin's the way to go. But that's like, you know, not my use case. 
So I don't think there's anything out there that can touch the Apple Watch. And if anything, to me, with this announcement, yes, two days ago of the Series 5 just gels that. It's just like, wow, Apple is so way ahead of everyone else, right? They are. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I feel like I have a lot of those features in the Apple Watch 4 that, um, you know, were in that video. So I, I'm going to upgrade, but uh, I am going to sell the Apple Watch 4 that I bought uh, when I get the Apple Watch 5 because I, I don't really it's a hard you know, sell feel like losing year. money on it yeah um the first one i saw to to do uh constant heart rate tracking was a company called basis i remember that they got bought by intel and intel i don't think did anything with that they destroyed uh, it <laughs> yeah that's that's the usual mo for these big companies that um buy like this really cool up-and-coming startup um and yeah that was a cool feature and i, I do appreciate that especially you know someone if you're trying to get into exercising um knowing your heart rate at over the course of a day is, is a great thing. Um, and uh, I'd say the other thing that I, I really want to see besides, uh, you know, just basic fitness tracking is uh, the, the app ecosystem is great. And that, that's something we should talk about in that you can install apps with uh, on the, directly on the smartwatch, which is, was a great thing. You don't have to go fetch your phone to download an app. Now I don't use a lot of third-party apps, but the few times where I wanted to download something, I you know didn't have didn't appreciate having to go to a watch app on my phone to download a watch app on my watch. It just right. it was an extra step that was a little cumbersome. So with uh, WatchOS six, that's coming, and I kind of I, I do appreciate that small touch, but pretty meaningful for me. Yeah, I think the other thing I want to really touch on quickly that I was going to mention is uh, the uh, the uh, Series three going down to one ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, wow. I guess that's a good price point, I think, for what it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. just want to mention that. So that combined with some of the features we're talking about makes it a really good buy. Um, we are running a little out of time, and I want to touch on some non-Apple things. But briefly, the only thing left from the discussion, I mean, there's so much we can talk about. We can talk about Apple TV Plus and uh, all that. But I'm more into the, the hardware. So mm -hmm. and there's another iPad. I'm not sure I'm super excited about the iPad. The, the 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 folio case is expensive compared to the price of the iPad, which is kind of very yeah. very Apple-y. But it, uh, good news is that you can get a, a base iPad that's a bit better now. It has a bigger screen, right? I mean, that's the takeaway, right? Yeah, it's three twenty nine, and that's a great price. Last year, uh, the iPad dipped down to during Black Friday, um, uh, two fifty during Black wow. Friday. And then it went down to two twenty nine, so a whole hundred dollars off for Cyber Monday. Um, so as as tempting as it is right now, you wait a couple months and see what those Black Friday deals like. We uh, we do a I, I skipped Thanksgiving just to uh, run uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday from an editorial standpoint at Tech Radar and kind of pump out some new stories and say, hey, these are great deals. That was my favorite deal of last year. It was so good that I um, told my mom because they she was looking for gifts. Uh, for my dad and my dad was looking for gifts for my mom and you know they turned to me for suggestions i said uh i'm gonna you know help you buy i'm gonna buy you know this ipad and you can give it to mom and you can give it to dad and they, so they exchanged ipads without knowing it um <laughs> uh, during christmas and uh, it was because of that deal and i had gotten it for black friday and then i you know canceled my order and got it for cyber money for a hundred dollars off so wow. that is going to appeal to a lot of people is one of the uh biggest items during uh our whole marathon of black friday cyber monday on tech radar so that is something that doesn't really appeal to 
you and I, but I think um, oh, yeah. it's a great way for people to get a good gift. I mean, iPods are incredible. If you're going to buy a tablet, buy an iPad. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited. It's just that to me, it's like, just buy the iPad. Okay, don't get excited. Don't, don't spend money on the folio. Don't spend money on the uh, Apple yeah. Pen. So just, just stick with the iPad and then you'll get a really good deal. Because yeah, otherwise, go to third parties. Logitech makes a pen that works. You know, Logitech makes also keyboard. I don't want to just pimp Logitech, but they really make mm-hmm. some good stuff. I prefer their their keyboard cases far, far over, over the uh, keyboard cases Apple makes. And... The other company that I love makes great keyboard cases is Bridge. Um, we're talking pretty high end here for iPhone, for iPad Pro, really. But hey, you know, just want to point out to you, like, if you want an iPad and you deserve an iPad, because honestly, if you want a good tablet experience, it's only going to happen on iPad, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, you know, but just don't spend. You know, you're going to ruin yourself if you start buying the accessories from Apple. It doesn't oh, yeah. make sense when the iPad itself costs three hundred and twenty nine dollars. Um, yeah, it's missing backlighting as well on the official keyboard. Although I like the fact that you don't you if you spill something on the keyboard, it, it's it's just fine because it's a laser etched fabric, which is just an interesting way to go about their design. But yeah, yeah. The, the, no backlighting. If you're if you're a college student using that in a, a dorm room and you have a roommate, uh, I was in that situation before with a light up keyboard. Um, that's very distracting. So you kind of want to turn it off, but at the same time you want to turn it on uh, when you know when you're really finishing a term paper. Um, so that is something that's really missing on the iPad. Cool. So three more little things I want to talk about. One is that there is completely separately from all this Apple announcement, uh, people have been digging through iOS 13, uh, developers have been, and they found, uh, some pretty solid references to an Apple AR headset that's being developed right now. Now, of course, Apple develops all kinds of things that don't necessarily make it to market, but it's interesting that this is kind of the first real telltale sign we've had, um, that things might potentially even be coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's an interesting thing. I'll, I'll link to the article and gadget. Uh, but I mean, you, I think everybody covered it. Just just happened to find it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what, what's your, what's your thought on that? I mean, do you think do you think uh, we're gonna see something soon, or is it gonna be another few years before we see something from Apple there? I think uh, somewhere in between there. I, th- I think it's uh, you know a little over one year to two years out. Um, yeah. Right. It's it's. I think the killer feature. I discovered it yesterday. Um, I was using uh, Google Maps on my iPhone. Uh, now it has the uh, the walking directions where it's uh, basically a split right. of Street View in the map. Um, mm-hmm. That is such a fantastic feature where you hold your phone up. It uses AR uh, through the camera to kind of split the the uh, screen into having the map on the bottom and kind of positioning itself with um, using your camera to see the top. So New York City can be very confusing. I've been here for two years. Um, and if I'm going to a location where I haven't been to it before, if I get out uh, from the subway uh, and I don't know which way, you know, if I'm on 50th Street, I don't know which way 51st is and which way is 49th. And you can only really do that by, you know, if there's a great sign to see uh, in the distance or um, by just traveling down that way. And I call it intersection jail. You yeah. kind of, you kind of, go up one way and you're like, oh, the compass moved. You go back the other way and you're like, oh, yeah. that compass was wrong. And then you oh, go back yeah. the other way again. So I spent <laughs> totally. five minutes in an in- intersection. Um, That's why and- we all walk an extra thousand steps a, a day. <laughs> That's true. I'll meet my goals that way. But yeah, when I have to go somewhere for an appointment it's, it, and I'm rushing, I usually just end up sweating and, and you know running. Uh, and it's never good in the heat in New York City. So um, the, the Google's software is great. But as I was walking with it, it warned me, well, 
put your phone down while you're walking because they don't want you to run into somebody. Um, and and uh, I was like, oh, this would be perfect for glasses. the glasses and a, yeah. and a headset, an AR headset. It's that's the go-to feature, I think. Um, and the fact that Apple is, you know, it looks like they're working on it right now. I I really hope that for once that they're on the forefront of, of something. I mean, if new. anybody can do this right, I think it's going to be Apple. Yeah, I mean, Tim Cook right. mentions it at every single, um, you know, quarterly earnings uh, call. It he mentions AR every time, so he's definitely love in love with the words AR, and and that's that's a great thing for, um, you know, just Apple users if if Apple's on the forefront of it, and I I, I hope they are. Indeed. So switching gears to the uh, Pixel 4 mega leak from yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, we think we know everything about that phone. I wouldn't be surprised. There's rumors that the uh, event might be happening uh, early October, early to mid-October, around the 10th, 11th, 15th or so. Um, we haven't received invites yet, as far as I know. But uh, at the same time, you know, those leaks are telling. It means it's coming soon and it's confirming a whole bunch of things including the massive uh, front forehead. I guess it's not a top chin it's a forehead. Mm -hmm. um, it's confirming uh, the number of cameras it confirms the colors. Uh, there's this really interesting cool kind of orange uh, whatever you want to call a color. Uh, and then of course the um, there's a whole bunch. 90 hertz display is confirmed. So that's actually pretty exciting. I'm getting, other than the, the look, the design, which like last year is going to be like, uh, you know, if I remember that notch on the 3XL. Yeah, um, it wasn't great. That, I think that forehead is going to be a, another uh moment. Yeah. I, I do like the fact that from the back, it has the same kind of, in many ways, that, that square design in the corner of the camera pod, uh, mm -hmm. similar to what Apple did. Uh, and, you know, we got to give Huawei made 20 the the original square camera pod and it was in the center but they, they started mm -hmm. it i want to give them credit for that so i mean there's like a mega leak it's there there's two or three videos out there of people unboxing slash hands-oning the thing not unboxing doing hands-on and showing the devices so i don't think there's too much we're going to be surprised by when we go to that announcement right no and um that's fine with me. I mean, at Google a couple months ago, back in June, uh, put out a, a first look of their right. device, a little teaser. Um, you know, basically saying, "Oh, were you looking for this?" And uh, that was that was a great moment. In that, you know, the leaks were out there, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna play with this a little bit." Um, <laughs> I I am writing an article now about uh, you know basically the headline is going to be uh, uh, you know I bring on the ugly in quotes uh, iPhone. 11 um you know just give me uh, a great, great camera like I, right. I i don't mind everybody's talking about oh well that the these boxes for the camera that's pretty ugly i, I don't care if it gives me i don't think it's ugly at all photo, honestly i don't yeah, mind it no I, i'm i'm okay with it i i would rather it could look even more hideous just give me great photos um without having to carry around something like i usually carry around the uh, sony rx100 um you know that I I think you mentioned that camera. It's a great camera, um, but I don't want to carry two devices with me. So if my smartphone can kind of close the gap a little bit, I'd be okay with that. The Sony RX100 has a one-inch sensor in it. We're not quite mm -hmm. there with pretty much any phone in, in no. uh, with that sensor size. There was one Nokia phone from back in the day, but that was you know before all the post-processing uh, uh, magic that that goes on today. So I uh, I'm really interested to see. If, uh, you know, someone increases the sensor size, uh, in the future, but for now I'm okay with, uh, you know, hideous designs in favor of functionality. 
So, sure. um, and that's that's what Google and Apple seem to be doing. Um, and if if the Google Pixel Four is better than the Google Pixel Three in in, in the camera department, that's going to be you know probably the the top uh, top bar for uh, uh, smartphone cameras. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the reality is I'm going to still pack a, a Pixel 4 XL as a daily driver, no matter how mm -hmm. ugly it is, just because I want, you know, now that I've been using um, uh, Android 10 for a week and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, I'm like, I, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to to the cameras and the improvements brought by the faster processor and all that. So, you know, bring it on, bring yeah. it on. Um, an article on TechRadar about the Huawei Mate 30. Uh, mm -hmm. specs having leaked. That's actually a tweet that you guys found from somebody, you know, showing some specs. What stood out to me on that, um, I'll, I, again, I'll link in the show notes, is that their camera system looks interesting. They have a 40 megapixel main sensor with the uh, yellow uh, pixels, like the like the P30 Pro. So mm -hmm. they're going to that. That makes sense. F01.6 OIS. But then they're also doing the same sensor, it looks like, the same 40 megapixel for the uh, ultra-wide. So yeah. that's going to be interesting because so far on the Huawei phones, the ultra-wide image quality has always lacked a little bit. And so this gonna this potentially could you know blow it out like significantly in performance, but the telephoto seems to be staying the same as it is on the P30 non-pro and the Mate 20 Pro, which is an eight megapixel f/2.4 OIS with three times optical zoom. So that's it. the other thing that stands out on the camera is xenon flash. Last time we saw xenon flash was the Lumia 1020 from from uh, from Nokia back in the old Nokia days. So. Or was it the AOA PureView? One of those two. I think both of them had Xenon. Xenon is a big deal because it really captures, it freeze frames, right? If you take right. a photo in the complete darkness with the flash, it's just like, boom. It's um, rare. I'm not sure you need that nowadays, but you know, because, you know, low light is so good, but it's interesting. And and, and other than that, nothing really stood out. Kirin 990, of course, which was launched at IFA. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we uh, broke a couple stories about the 990. Um, and that being part of the uh, upgrade for the Mate X, the the foldable right. uh, Huawei phone. So um, that you know, they, they can't come out with uh, something truly older using the 980 um, if if the 990 is out on a separate device. So um, that is something that I am interested in to see. You know, the, the performance of that because as you mentioned, the Huawei makes a great chipset, and uh, you know, because they're they're handling all their components these days. Um, but the uh, the Mate 30 is interesting. They come out with a phone every six months between the P30 and the and the Mate 30 uh, line, um, and yeah, it they are pushing the boundaries of smartphone camera technology like no one else. And um, it's a shame that you know the U.S. ban um, is preventing the release of of their phones. I I know about a year and a half ago they were close to actually getting their phones yeah. out there through yeah. carriers. And that would have been a game changer. That would have pushed um, Apple and Samsung, you know, imagine a year and a half later where we would be if um, they were actually in the market and get, getting, uh, you know, their rivals to put out, you know, designs that are truly innovative. So um, I think that's that's a shame, but we'll see where this, uh, you know, 
where yeah. they they go with a Mate 30 and and we'll find out on Android September situation. 19th. In fact, uh, yeah. in uh, Munich, I'm not going to be there. A lot of US media didn't get invited. Obviously, mm-hmm. the phone will not be running Google Play services, which, as we know, is going to be a huge deal because nobody is going to want to use that phone in the West. Yeah. I really doubt even the European customers are going to be very happy. So I'm kind of questioning their launch in Munich. Honestly, I thought there should be a Shenzhen or some yeah. sort of like Asia-based launch. Even India would be okay. Yeah. This is going to be a tough pill to swallow and I'm looking forward to getting the phone to play with somehow because mm-hmm. obviously you can't import it into the US uh, even uh, you know through um, you know shipping it so uh, it'll be interesting to see how I can get my hands on one but for photography I want to try it out and I'm hoping and this is what I'm really hoping is that 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 Huawei makes it so that they have all the infrastructure in place in their in their Android OS um, so that you just have to sideload Google Play services an older mm-hmm. version and then you have the app the Google Play store and then automatically you can get all the other apps and everything just works that yeah. it, you need to manually do it that it's not obviously that way then they're kind of writing that gray area of not breaking the law mm-hmm. and not getting in trouble but we can actually all use the phones if we want to that's yeah. what I'm really hoping will happen but we'll see that's the hope um, and to point out the the Mate X, the Huawei Mate X, the foldable phone, that should be able to um, have Android just fine because it was announced prior to the ban. Um, so that's I think that, it needs to be launched though. That's the problem. Yeah, well, they they said, technically said it was launched. That's I think that's how they're getting around it. It was launched. It was the difference between launch right. event and release date. So I mean, they're hoping they're hoping to um, squeak by and still use Play services, but Right. We'll have to see. I mean, they actually have to release the phone. I think this the September 19th thing is going to be very telling. We're going to find yes. out for sure what their strategy is on that because this phone is going to be unobtainium in North America. If you think this is going to be easy to get, you're mistaken. And if you think that we're going to get a phone that we that is usable, even if you can get your hands on one, it's possible that it might be completely useless to you. So yeah. this is really bumming me out because I'm a huge fan of what Wise has been doing in terms of imaging and I don't want to compromise that my experience. I don't want to carry that phone just to take the photos and have to transfer them somehow. But yeah. we'll see how it goes. Um, we should wrap it up. Do you want to yeah. tell the world where they can find you on the internet, your Twitter handle and all that stuff? Of course, uh, you know, Pim Tech Radar and all that. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of my content goes on, uh, all my content goes on Tech Radar. But if uh, you're looking to follow me on social media, I am uh, at Matt Swider, S-W-I-D-E-R, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on every social media platform except YouTube where uh, that was taken. So Matthew Swider on, on, on YouTube, which I don't really post to YouTube as much. But Instagram, I am, uh, you know, I am using that a lot more, and uh, the photos I took with uh, the mirrorless camera of uh, the 911 Tribute are... um, Actually, I use a DJI Osmo Pocket little device uh, I'm kind of in love with. It uses a motion time-lapse to move the head. That's that's what I used, um, and that's on Instagram right now. So follow me on there. Um, I'm using that a lot more, so that's, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. And of course, you know, I'll be linking to a whole bunch of uh, stories from Tech Radar. Check them out uh, related to the topics of the day. 
Um, what's the iPhone stuff? But hey, it's important. Uh, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankgirl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character without the vowels. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram at, at Tankgirl. And please uh, check out the photos, the photos of phone, photos with phones, photos, lots of photos. And uh, also there's a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Miriam My full name spelled out. If you don't know how to spell my name, go to Twitter. My name's there. Remove the space. And add that to youtube.com and you'll you'll get to the channel. The channel has all kinds of additional content that go with the podcast. Videos, unboxings, hands-on, that kind of stuff. So if you want visuals to go with this audio podcast, subscribe to the channel. Uh, click that little bell icon, all that stuff. Comment in the videos, to interact with me, tell your friends, share the glove. Uh, same with the podcast. The podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. That's where the RSS feed is. If you're old school and you want to add it to your podcast app. But we're also on all the platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Slacker, a whole bunch of places. So check it out. Uh, please subscribe, tell your friends. If you want to interact with me about the podcast, do it on Twitter. I'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, your ideas, your comments, all that good stuff. And then um, finally, I want to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Audible.com is the platform for audiobooks. If you like reading, if you like books, and you, for whatever reason, cannot read them, maybe you're a delivery driver and you're stuck behind the wheel all day, but you want to hear these books being read, this is the place to go. They have such a great selection. Um, I personally really enjoy it when I do road trips. And more importantly, a lot of these books are read by the authors. If you want to support the podcast, we have a deal for you. You can join Audible for free for 30 days and keep the books you get during that 30-day period. You don't have to continue after that. But if you do, you know, obviously, kudos to you. Uh, no matter what, if you uh, support us with uh, by clicking through the link I'm about to give you, uh, it'll help the podcast. It'll help us. AudibleTrial.com slash MobileTech is the link. That's AudibleTrial.com slash MobileTech. If you don't want to write it down right now, look in the show notes. It'll be in there and you can click through and support us. And I want to thank Audible for being a longtime um, sponsor. And I also want to thank Matt Swider of TechRadar for being our guest today. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah, always good to be here. Thanks for having me, Miriam. Absolutely. We'll have you on again sometime soon. And in the meantime, stay tuned for another show next week, folks. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.